In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet, and thanks as always for sticking me in your ear. If you've encountered an extraordinary paranormal event, and you need some support, and you need help, you might consider reaching out to the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. We're going to discuss OPUS tonight with Lester Velez. He's a graduate of the University of Vermont with a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration. And beginning in September of 1970, he served in the U.S. Army as a field artillery officer and was later vice president at Lascombe Engineering, a Silicon Valley-based manufacturer's representative company. He joined MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, in 1991 and has held the following positions, field investigator, Training Coordinator for Field Investigators, the Assistant State Director in Northern California, Chairman of the Abduction Experience Research Committee, and Team Leader of the Abduction Response Team. Also during that time, he be became a facilitator for an abduction support group in San Jose, California, and in 1994, co-founded OPUS, the Organization for 
Paranormal Understanding and Support. He's the author of The Unknown Other and the, Exis the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Les, welcome aboard, sir. How are you? Good, good, Richard. Thank you very much for having me tonight. First of all, thank you for your service. Appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, what precipitated you joining um, MUFON back in 1991? Well, I have to go back even further then. Um, <laughs> I, I was 11 years old living in Connecticut, and uh, I was coming back into the house. It was uh, October, late October evening. I think I would just finish feeding my dog, and uh, I saw this object that uh, was totally silent uh, hovering over a tree line, and it was oval in nature. It was uh, uh, kind of whitish in color, and uh, it was slowly uh, moving uh, from uh, a, uh, a westerly direction to an easterly direction, and it scared the hell out of me. And I ran in a house and tried to get my father to come out. And by the time I convinced him to come out, uh, he, <laughs> I mean, the, the object had disappeared. And so he said, well, it's probably just a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And uh, well, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't buy that story. And uh, Shortly thereafter, I went to the library and started picking up books on UFOs. And back in those days, this is the late 50s, the, um, the gentleman that uh, was probably uh, preeminent at that time was uh, our friend, uh, which the, the name is escaping me at the moment. Yeah, I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, Anyway, uh, I started reading his books, you know, he was talking about the Venusians and the, the trip that he took with them, um, uh, Georgia Damsky. Oh, yes. And, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, anyway, so uh, after that, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of uh, lost touch with it after a while, you know, became, uh, you know, more mature, so to speak, <laughs> quote unquote, and uh, um, went off to, uh, you know, high school and college and um, subsequently got married, um, got a job with uh, Procter and Gamble selling Crest toothpaste and head and shoulders. <laughs> and, uh, um, and uh, after that, I decided that I, I didn't like what I was doing with them. And uh, I, I left them and, and went to work for a company that made analog and digital panel meters called Mogitech. Anyway, um, I spent 13 years there, and then in 1985, I moved out to California, and I, and I had a relationship with this uh, manufacturer's rep company, Luscombe Engineering, and actually, they were my representative in Northern California, and so uh, I threw in with them and, and became a partner in the business, and one day, I picked up the newspaper, the San Jose Mercury News, that was called at that time, now it's just the Mercury News, and uh, there was an article about Stanton Freeman coming to San Jose City College to talk about UFOs and a government cover-up. Well, that really got my interest, and so I went, and I expected just to see a handful of people. Well, the auditorium was full. He did one of his inimitable, you know, presentations. And on my way out, MUFON had a table, an informational table in the foyer, and so I decided to start getting their journal, a monthly journal that they publish that talks about the various cases and, and things of that nature. And uh, well, after a while, that wasn't enough for me. And I decided to take their field investigator training course. 
And that's when things got really interesting because most of the cases that I investigated turned out to be not only sightings, but abduction type cases. And then these people would ask me, did I know of other people having similar circumstances? And I said, yes, I do. So then I started to facilitate a support group in San Jose, in my office. <laughs> and uh, uh, so that's when things, you know, really started to uh, expand my uh, realm of be believability. Um, you know, to hear these people, you know, and, and talk about their experiences and how sincere they are and how, how uh, traumatic uh, these things were for them. And a lot of these people went off to, you know, mental health practitioners before they came to us and uh, realized that they did not have a psychopathology. And so then the, the case is, so what, what now? <laughs> if I'm not crazy, what's happening? And uh, that's when things started to really evolve. Um, and my, uh, as I said, what I've learned from just listening to these people and tell their stories has been phenomenal. Do you remember your first um, field investigation that involved what you believe to be an, a credible abduction? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was, it was a, yes, it was a couple um, that were in a state park just north of Santa Cruz, California. And uh, they had picnicked up there and uh, they were coming out of the park. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, they noticed this light over the ocean. And uh, this light got bigger and bigger until it literally was over their heads. And it was a triangular craft. And this thing proceeded to go into this canyon behind them. And it, it sat there. And then they noticed another light over the ocean. And this thing got bigger and bigger again. And this object turned out to be another triangular craft. And the first one, they felt they were looking at it. The second one, they felt it was looking at them, and they became frightened. Well, make a long story short, this happened five more times for a total of seven, seven craft. And then these, these craft were the size of a small Learjet. And um, so at that point, uh, th these craft... Uh, they were in a horizontal position and then they, they simultaneously went up in this vertical position and it's like they went around a corner and disappeared just, just like that. And you click a finger and they were gone. Well, they started to leave the park and where they were is an area that during the day is even dark because of high growth, uh, high vegetation area in this, a lot of trees, uh, uh, and things of that nature. And so uh, they, they felt at that point that they were on automatic pilot and, and they were like, almost felt like they were drifting down out of the park to where their car was. Well, that was the last thing they remembered until three hours later that they found themselves in a restaurant, which was normally five to 10 minutes away from where they were in the park. But three hours of time had passed. And so they, they, they came to one of our, our support group meetings and they, uh, they showed the, uh, the picture of this rash that they both uh, developed after this incident. And there's a lot of 
uh, poison oak and poison ivy up in this park, depending upon where you are. And so they had gone to a doctor and the doctor said, well, this is not poison oak or poison ivy. I'm not sure what it is. And so they they decided to go to another doctor. And uh, this doctor said, well, maybe it's some reaction internal, you know, caused by what you ate or something like that. And, and so they never got a, a definitive answer. And they had taken pictures of that. Uh, condition. And they showed the picture around to the people in the support group. And almost without exception, uh, they all said that they had a similar thing happen to them after their experience. And one of the people in the group said, I, I think I know what that's from. And so we said, okay, please tell us that, yeah, it's a reaction to the fluid that they dip you in uh, when they bring you on board to craft to sanitize you. <laughs> wow. Like sheep dip. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that that really started to, you know, these are the kind of cases and there's multiple cases. Matter of fact, that case and another case um, I talk about in the beginning of the book, uh, the unknown other and the existential proposition of alien contact. Um, and, it, and it really outlines the various aspects of the phenomena. Uh, from blood types uh, to implants to hybridization uh, to uh, effects of microwave energy, uh, the, the UAP report that the government put out, uh, the omega-3 study that uh, I did with a, a couple of psychologists a number of years ago that MUFON actually funded. Um, and uh, we had 71 people that were uh, felt that they had been abducted and 51 people as a control group. And uh, so we found out some really interesting things that we can get into a little bit later. Did any of these reports that you investigated as a field investigator with MUFON, did they make you start to think about your experience when you were 11 years old back in Connecticut, start to wonder, wow, did I have missing time? Did I, was mm -hmm. I an abductee? <clears throat> well, that's interesting that you say that because when these people told me about the, uh, they saw me on board the craft, I, I, I had gone to, to have a regression done. I actually had three regressions done. And uh, I found out nothing along the lines of uh, that type of a thing uh, on board a craft or involved with aliens. However, I had multiple past lives, multiple past lives. And so one, subsequently, I, I, I talked to a person that they said, well, maybe what's going on with you is that this person was able to tap into a previous life that you may have been abducted and had that kind of experience. And, and I tell you, time, there is no time. I mean, things can happen, you know, uh, as far as space time is concerned. At any time, you know, there is no past there is no present there is no future it's all now and uh it's it, it's you know when you start going down that rabbit hole it it, it is uh, phenomenal uh because we just don't understand uh all the ramifications of these types of experiences and what they really mean and and uh you know they people talk about the fact that uh this this is something that is 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 you know, a good thing. And then other people that talk about it, it's a bad thing. And uh, I think that it, it's probably both, <laughs> uh, depending upon your you know, personal experience. 
this idea that we have we've seen, we've seen we we have boiled this experience down to extraterrestrials coming to visit our planet, maybe taking genetic material. Do you think that that will ultimately prove to be an incredibly over or, or an incredible oversimplification of what really this is all about? In other words, this is when we, if we ever figure out what this is all about, it is probably nothing like what we think it is. Yeah. I think that there's multiple possibilities <clears throat> besides, uh, extraterrestrials we have interdimensional uh type activity going on uh that people talk about uh, and then there's time travel involved like the Rendlesham Forest case where uh Penison and and uh, Burroughs were involved with with uh, being abducted they they basically came back and said yeah these people were 40,000 years from the future and uh, collecting information DNA uh, things of that nature so um and then it's our military too i, I think that's a, that's a distinct possibility that we have all these factors that are playing into it and i'm sure there's a multitude of other ones that we can't even there's no word for it and no language for it uh that is going on you know we talk about near-death experiences poltergeist activity all these things are connected in some way shape or form and um uh, they all have various effects on people. You know, some of them, you know, believe that these are angelic in nature. Some people believe they're demonic in nature. Uh, and again, I, I believe it, it, it depends on the experience that you're having and your worldview before the experiences. You know, are you a religious person or a non-religious person? Uh, things of that nature that come to play in, in, in situations like that. We hear MUFON. We heard that. We hear that acronym thrown around so often. Um, can you give my listeners a sense of wh how MUFON works? What it is? Uh, sure. You know, when you have when you're a field investigator and you file a report, what happens to it? How does MUFON work? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> as far as the field investigation is concerned, you know, you you have to file a report uh, when a case is assigned to you. Uh, there's there's a strict pro protocol that uh, people need to follow, and then you submit that. And now they, it's all online, uh, whereas years ago it was all you know hard copy. You know you'd fill it out and then you'd send it in to headquarters. And so that's that's still going on. And and their CMS system, uh, which covers all you know these uh, investigations. Uh, they've been collecting data like that for years and years and years. And uh, the organization was founded in 1969 uh, by a couple of engineers down in Seguin, Texas. And, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their mission is to uh, understand, you know, the phenomena scientifically for the benefit of humanity and which is a great mission statement. And, uh, but I mean, they've they've had rocky times. Uh, they've they've had issues uh, with uh, um, various uh, uh, or organizations like uh, Robert Bigelow got involved with uh, MUFON at one point, uh, uh, where he was actually paying for information, and uh, which obviously would help the the organization. But uh, anyway, that came to an end, and. Uh, uh, but the, the organization overall is the oldest one uh, uh, that I know of uh, in the world 
that uh, has been doing what they're doing. And uh, there is a rumor right now going around that uh, they may have uh, more contact now with the uh, federal government uh, with re regard to cases that uh, now the uh, government is starting to investigate since the UAP report that the, the feds put out in uh, last June. Uh, you know, this past a year ago, June, and uh, subsequent uh, committee that's been set up to uh, start to really look at all this thing. And I and I think that that's that's good. I think that uh, you know we do need to look at this stuff. See, and, and and you know people talk about the fact that well, you know, you have people like Stephen Greer that says all all these contacts are positive, and then you got people like the late uh, Bud Hopkins and. David Jacobs that talked that it's all negative. Um, I think it's something in between. You're going to probably have good guys and bad guys, just like we have here on, on this planet. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing now that the, the government's getting involved with it. And then the next thing, and I know the government is already working with abductees, people that have claimed to have contact with non-human intelligences, and they just haven't brought that to the fore yet. Uh, but, how do you know? Uh, how do you know that, Les? What what uh, what have you yeah, heard about the government well, working with abductees? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Gary Nolan from Stanford University talks about specifically talks about the fact that he and and Kit Green, ex CIA, have have been doing work with uh, people that uh, claim that they've had contact uh, with non-human intelligences. And some of these people have incredible psychic abilities. Uh, they've they found that uh, in their brains, the uh, connection between the uh, caudate and the uh, bottom of the caudate and the top of the putamen area in the brain uh, has uh, more connections. And uh, this thing is evidently hereditary. And then the next thing you want to ask is, it was the, it's the old chicken and the egg. Did the, did the uh, aliens have something to do with that uh, ability? Or is that a natural thing that the aliens are following? Because it seems like um, whoever they are or whatever they are, are very interested in following family members. Because if you have one person that has had an experience, usually their parents or their grandparents have had uh, these types of experiences. So, um it, 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 it's something that, you know, they don't advertise a lot about, but uh, it, it's happening. It's definitely happening. All right, Les, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back. I want to do circle back to the, uh, the, uh, mega, the Omega-3 study yep. and uh, the findings. All right, back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. And we are back with Les Velez, and the website is opusnetwork.org. O-P-U-S network.org and um, we're going to talk now about the uh, the Omega-3 study that you were involved in. That Was that during your time at MUFON? Yes. Um, 
back in around 2007, uh, the uh, international director of uh, MUFON, uh, James Carrion, I went to him and I, I, I talked to him about the fact that I thought, you know, that MUFON was missing, missing the boat with regard to the abduction phenomena. And um, because at that time, they did not have a, 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 a protocol to uh, handle people that were calling in and looking for help. And so I offered uh, him the, the Opus uh, uh, organization to take those kind of calls. And so I started to get a plethora of calls that were uh, sent to me by MUFON of these people that were looking for help. And uh, it, it was incredible. Some of the stories that uh, came across in those uh, uh, you know, phone calls of these people. And uh, subsequently, uh, they then uh, asked me to set up a study uh, of these uh, people. And, uh, and they, they uh, funded this uh, study, the Omega-3 study, where we took 71 people that felt that they had this contact with non-human intelligences and 51 people as a control group. And let me just read the conclusions to you of what, what we came up with. In general, abductees' experiences profile differently than do their comparison counterparts on a number of general psychological and specific neuro neurological variables. Yet there are remarkable similarities between the experi experiential group and the comparison group. It should be noted that in no case did experiencers or comparison group participants show any signs of mental illness or personality disorder. Fantasy proneness, which a lot of debunkers talk about, does not appear to play a differentiating role between the experiential and the control groups. However, sensitivity to alternative realities and early and recurrent paranormal or psi experiences seem to play a role in the abduction experience. Childhood conflict, psychosocial tension and abuse, and trauma more than likely facilitated dissociative coping style in later life. How much a part dissociation plays in the abduction experience remains an open question. Both experience with and interest in the abduction phenomena have impact on how one's body is perceived to function, how one views the world and one's purpose in it, and how one defines or redefines one's faith, traditions, and beliefs. In essence, both experience with and interest in contact seem to change one's sense of self and one's worldview. Abductees' experiences believe that there's a sentient, purposive alien intelligence at play in their lives and at work in the world. What the intelligence's goals are seem to be more beneficent than benevolent, more benign than malignant. malignant. This, though, remains an open question and a point of doubt in the minds and hearts of some abductees' experiences and some comparison control group participants. The brain generally, now this is interesting, and the temporal lobes and limbic system more particularly play a mediating role in the anomalous experiences such as abductions. This in no way implies that abductions are all or only in the abduction abductees' heads. Rather, it points to the likelihood of temporal ability, in other words, a flexibility, as a preset or a precursor to extraordinary experiences. While it would be too reductionistic 
to claim that the brain creates such experiences it is not far-fetched to think that the brain plays an important part in the who and the what of extraordinary experiences and how they are interpreted. So that briefly was what we went over. And in the book, um, I have the full study, all the statistical data that we crunched in order to come up with uh, that information. And um, um, I had uh, gotten together a, a really good group of people uh, uh, to, uh, and in the book, I, I, I note who these people are, and some of them are pretty well known uh, in the uh, psych psychology field and, and, and things of that nature. So um, if you want to see who they are, it's in the book as well. The unknown other and the existential proposition of alien contact. So when it comes to the abduction phenomenon, Les, what do you think we're dealing with here? Well, I think, I think again, it's, it's, it's multifaceted. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we just did, we just finished the first phase of the Omega-4 study, which is nowhere at the moment. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, we're in the process of getting it published. But uh, the findings that we did and, and what we did was we had gone out to uh, therapists that have worked with uh, these individuals that claim uh, contact with non-human intelligence. And what we found is that the majority of people talk about the grays that they, they had contact with. The second group they, they talk about are interdimensionals. And the third group are orbs, which now seems to be more prevalent than anything these days. And the last thing out of the, out of the four was poltergeist, ghost activity. And so, again, I think all this is related in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and so it's very difficult to say it's one thing or the other. I think it's multiple things. Um, and, uh, you know, this goes back, you know, eons. Uh, this has been going on. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of talk in, in you know, the Roman times and uh, you have uh, Neolithic uh, cave paintings of, of, of these uh, creatures and, and, and obviously UFO shaped, uh, you know, saucer type shaped uh, things on, on, on these Neo, like in Spain and in, in France, there's a, a plethora of those kind of paintings. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very difficult to point it, you know, or have it, uh, you know, related to one particular thing. That's we're going to take another quick time out, come back. Uh, let's get into the Abduction Experiencer Research Committee. Uh, back with more in a minute. Stay with us. It's time to redefine reality. reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we're back with Les Falez, the author of The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. He joined uh, MUFON back in 1991, worked as a field investigator, training coordinator for field investigators, uh, the assistant state director in Northern California, and a chairman of the Abduction Experiencer Research Committee, team leader of the uh, abduction response team 
Um, so the experience, sorry, the abduction experiencer research committee, that's, is that where, um, the Omega three yeah. came out of? Yeah. <clears throat> and what, what it is, is that that whole study, uh, came out of the, uh, 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 group of people that I put together, uh, as chairman, uh, and the people that were involved with it was, uh, Robert Lelouvre, who, uh, I was a PhD faculty member at the University of Great Falls, uh, Great Falls, Montana, a fellow and diplomat in the American Board of Medical uh, Psychotherapists and Psychodiagnosticians, diplomat American Board of Psychological Specialties of the American College of Forensic Examiners and International with uh, Forensic Specialties in Clinical Psychology and, ne and Neuropsychology. So, I mean, right away, he, he was probably the main investigator uh, that I, I uh, worked with uh, on, on the Omega-3 study. Uh, the other gentleman was uh, David uh, Smith, uh, Master of Science Educational Psychology, Educational uh, Technology, Texas A&M University, Master of Science Psychology, Neuroscience, University of Houston, uh, Michael Freeman, PhD, Psychology Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, Palo Alto, California. Rick Straussman. Now, this oh, name should be familiar to you. Oh, yes. MD, attended uh, Albert Einstein uh, uh, School of uh, Medicine, Yeshiva University, Bronx, New York, internship in general psychology, residency, University of California, Davis Medical Center. So, I mean, you know, I and I can go down through this list, but uh, they, these people had incredible credential. And so we, uh, we started to formulate, you know, an idea as far as what we wanted to do. And then we bounced all this off, uh, basically Michael Freeman, myself and, uh, uh Dr. Lelouvre, um, you know, came up with the, uh, information and I, I parsed this out to everyone and, uh, got their comments back. And, uh, that's what the Omega three study was all about. And, uh, but uh, the uh, the people that were involved were just incredible, and I was super lucky uh, <clears throat> to be able to to get that group together. Um, and and I think the reason was is that uh, you know these people are all familiar with MUFON. You know that organization has been around a long time, and since there was money to be had in the sense of uh, you know facilitating the uh, not that these people got paid, but <laughs> but the, the fact that we needed to you know, uh, come up, come up with uh, money for mailings. And, and back in those days, again, this was all done by hand. This was all done by hand, you know, no, no uh, survey monkey or anything like that at the time. Right. Right. Um, and so the, um, the abduction response team, mm -hmm. what, what is the, what is the purpose of that? Well, what, that was the uh, very beginning of something now that uh, MUFON has, which they call the ERT, uh, the uh, Experiencer Resource Team. Uh, back in those days, it was uh, a couple of people, including myself, uh, that uh, were able to contact people that had contacted MUFON um, and to understand what they were looking for. And at that time, Opus already had a referral network of, of medical people, mental health practitioners, and and the hypnotherapists. And so we were able to then, you know, have these people um, 
you know, get the kind of help that they were looking for. And then subsequently, Opus, uh, a number of years ago, came up with the uh, uh, online, totally confidential online support group where people can talk to one another 24-7. And we have over 300 people, uh, you know, active right now from around the world uh, that are talking about their experiences, asking questions about their experiences, looking for particular help on a, on a subject uh, uh, so uh, it, it's proved to be probably the number one help that these people uh, are, are not only looking for, but getting uh, that they they know that they're not alone, uh, that they're going to have an empathetic ear uh, and that, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, other people are having similar experiences in their life is, is very calming. Uh, and understand that. Wait a minute, my my situation is not that uncommon, and <laughs> that it's it's happening. And there's there's some, you know, the the old Roper organization, or of course they're still around, but the Roper back in '91 uh, did this survey that uh, Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs uh, put together with Robert Bigelow, where they they claimed that at that time. There was like six million people in the United States that had had experiences like this, the abduction or experience or, you know, contact, if you will. Um, And now zoom forward, you know, to the present day, how many more people? And this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's happening all over the place. And so I firmly believe this is the latest thing that I believe is that we've all had experiences. Whether we, we understand them, whether or not we remember them uh, consciously, um, I think we've all had some kind of experience. And this is probably something that's been a part of this whole process, this universal process that goes on. So if someone has had, an ab- or they believe they've had an abduction event and they are terribly traumatized, by yeah. it. Let's say it wasn't a pleasant experience. Then right. they call either the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support or they call the abduction response team. What can you Well, the, the abduction re- response team is 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 no longer in existence. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, that AERC is no longer in existence. The abduction response team isn't. But OPUS does have and, and a group called the EST, the Abduction Support Team, which is mental health practitioners that are able to contact these people. Uh, so, you know, if they want to be put into the support group, we can do that. If they want to talk to a person in the EST, the uh, Experiencer Support Team, well, we can provide that as well. And these people are familiar with these types of cases and Oftentimes, this is probably the one of the other things that uh, we can offer people, and and uh, especially when they're having you know some serious uh, uh, situations going on in their lives. Um, so, if um, if someone has had an experience, or they they suspect they have, they have missing time, for example, mm-hmm. um, is it recommended that they they undergo a um, hypnotic regression. Is that 
Is that kind of uh, protocol? We we generally uh, counsel people that they need to be extremely sure that they want to do that uh, because they may find out something that they don't want to know. Um, so we we generally counsel against it. Um, and uh, we, we know unless they are very sure and, 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 and have the understanding that, you know, once the, 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 the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's hard to get it back in. And so, um, yeah, and, and each individual is different. You know, you can't really make a, a blanket statement about that. But the bottom line is, in general, we always counsel them about the fact that, hey, you may hear something you don't want to hear, and it may be very upsetting. And so you just need to be very sure that, you you know, you can either handle it or be able to get the kind of help that you need afterwards, uh, which means that you need to go to a certified uh, credentialed hypnotherapist that has experience with these types of cases and can handle you know, like the Betty and Barney Hill thing, uh, you know, uh, Barney was just freaking out uh, during his uh, yes, session yes. with the doctor. And, and and so, you know, we always say, too, that, you, you know, you want to make sure you're either doing it one on one or you have a person with you uh, that uh, uh, can be a uh, an assistant, so to speak, in, in, in helping you through the experience. Uh, so it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not straightforward. It's definitely not straightforward because you know most of the debunkers talk about the fact. Well, these people are fantasy prone, or they're you know uh, they've got other issues. Uh, you know, it was uh, uh, um, sleep paralysis. <laughs> you know, all these different things that uh, uh, debunkers can throw at you, um, which. Uh, you know, I I always get a kick out of it, and especially uh, uh, I think Susan Clancy talks about uh, false memory syndrome. Yes, yes. that uh, is in, involved with hypnosis. And what I found is that the American uh, Psychological Association, nor any other mainstream psychological diagnostic system, either ratified or has proven any such diagnosis. So. You know, I, I, uh, uh, and I talk about that in a book as well. Any experience with implants in your research? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I talk about implants in a book, uh, Dr. Roger Lear, uh, and I can quickly give you a little overview of this. It's very interesting. Uh, I mean, he did some fantastic work, uh, had 17 patients uh, that he had actually worked with. And what he found was in general, no inflammatory rejection reaction by the body to foreign bodies, no visible portal of entry, collections of specialized nerve endings surrounding the object, an outer coating of ceramic biological material, a metallic phase where inorganic metal becomes biological tissue. The emission of radio waves, which are deep space frequencies in the FM band, electromagnetic fields in excess of 10 milligauss, composition of meteoric iron 66, rare earth metals such as U-236, a single isotope 
uh, of uranium existing by itself, as well as elements such as iridium, which is very rare and hard to find in the Earth's crust. Non-terrestrial isotopic ratios indicating the involved elements did not come from Earth. So, <clears throat> and he goes on, there's, there's a number of other things that he talks about. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, when people come to us about that, um, uh, since Roger Lear has since passed on, um, there are a few doctors around the country that uh, uh, we have utilized. Uh, but there's a gentleman uh, down in Southern California, uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is Yeski, uh, that has uh, done some interesting things with uh, removing uh, implants without actually doing any surgery. Oh, really? Uh, which is <laughs> pretty fascinating as, as to how that, that really works. Uh, I ran into him at a, uh, a conference where he had set up his booth and uh, had a number of people go in there and he could first find where the implant is. And then secondly, disable it. Um, we also recommend that people do not remove the implant because what happens generally speaking is that it's put back in the person in a more difficult place to get out. Ooh. Uh, so, if, unless it's bothering you, physically bothering you, just forget about it. <laughs> Any sense of what, the, what they're for? Is it a tracking device? What is it? It's all the above. It's a tracking device. It's a transmitting device. It's, it's uh, um, you know, uh, those are probably the two main things it is. Um, you know, uh, it, it's some, uh, the latest one I heard was something about the fact that it was, it was tracking pollution levels in the body, uh, which is, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, but, uh, you know, it, it's certainly a possibility, you know, it's some kind of a monitoring device to see how the person is doing. Um, you know, do you have some form of, uh, uh, of a disease or something like that, uh, which, hey, you know, if we could get the data <laughs> from that, that might be a really good thing. So the, um, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, Opus, is it strictly um, abductions and, encount and encounters with UAPs, or uh, does it include other paranormal phenomena? Yeah, good question. Um, our, our mission uh, basically is to help people having paranormal experiences, which covers a lot of bases. Um, however, for whatever reason, it seems like we are attracting people in the majority uh, that are involved with contact with non-human intelligences for whatever reason. It's, it's not something that we have, um, you know, uh, you know, thought about, uh, you know, that this is what the route we want to take, but it, it just seems like that's what's happening with us is that we're, we're performing this function with regard to the contact with non-human intelligences. But we have had uh, people talk about uh, poltergeist activity, uh, demons, uh, uh, various, uh, you know, uh, other types of things. Uh, so, uh, and we do have contacts in those areas that we can uh, direct people to. 
uh, you know, whether it's Kundalini awakening, uh, you know, we, there's a, and I talk about that as well in the book uh, and these other resources uh, that uh, that we can direct people to. The Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, opusnetwork.org, opusnetwork.org. Uh, Les, how do we get a copy of The Unknown Other? Well, uh, you can go to our website, which you just gave us, opusnetwork.org. There's a, there's a picture of the book on the homepage, and you just click on that, and it'll take you to Amazon, and the book is on Amazon. Uh, if you're a Kindle Prime uh uh, user, then the book is free. Uh, if you aren't, then it's like $9.99 for the Kindle version and then $20 for the uh, soft copy, uh, hard copy. And uh, uh, all the proceeds go directly to Opus. I, I don't get anything for it. it. That's my contribution to the cause. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we are so appreciative of people out there um, donating because that's what nonprofit is all about. You know, we, we survive on donations. And so whatever people can give, we, uh, we are most appreciative. Lester, is there any ever a moment when <clears throat> you wish, geez, I wish I hadn't gone to that Stan Friedman, uh, um, you know, uh, event. I wish I hadn't stopped by and signed up at that MUFON table. <laughs> No, and no, actually, never, never. Um, there have been times when, uh, you know, that I've said, okay, that's enough, I'm done. And then next thing that happens is I start getting phone calls. I start getting emails. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm sorry, uh, no, this is your this is your lot in life. And then so you, you need to continue to do this. And uh, so I've, I've relegated myself to the fact that I'm going to continue to do it. And uh, it's very re rewarding. Uh, especially when you, you can actually help people. And uh, so uh, I'm very appreciative of the fact that I can do that and uh, help these people in some way, shape or form, you know, uh, be able to handle these types of situations. Lester Valente, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate you having me on your show tonight. Thank you. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.